Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Budget Podcast. My name is Nancy. Good to have you join us as always. I'm really excited about this particular episode here. And if you've been following us closely, you would know that September is really September to remember for Budget because it was the Big Ten. And and speaking about the Big Ten, I have two special guests joining me in the studio today. Now, you know when they say the super duo, the people behind budgets the reason why we are here the gay 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 demand them <laughs> ladies and gentlemen i have the lead director and co-founder olushewonik binde and the chief technical officer and co-founder of budget joseph agubiade good to have you join us guys all right thank you mercy yes, <laughs> thank you mercy my head is just <laughs> Nancy, yeah. Thank you, Nancy. It's a pleasure here today. That we have been able to make change happen in our own little corner. Um, we've been able to steer the, the space and bring results um, and being able to deliver value to stakeholders, people, citizens, governments, communities um, um, beyond Nigeria. Inspire also young people to do try out and do great things. Uh, so it's excitement, and uh, I feel like we, just look at ten years just flew by, but. You know, just like that. But you know, I take it all in, and I'm grateful with the with the budget of today that it uh, is ready to go for the next 10, 20, 30 years. That that gets me excited. All right, thank you, thank you for joining us, uh, Mr. Joseph. Yeah, so um, I equally feel excited, like Sharon said. Um, the feeling is 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 one of you know looking back to see that. I mean, it's. There, there's no how you could have um, imagined the, the, you know, the 10 years that we are celebrating today. Uh, and so, for me, I'm, I'm super happy um, looking back at how it all started for me. It's, it's something that, um, first, I'm happy to be alive to even see the, um, you know, the 10th anniversary. Mm, yeah. uh, and I'm happy that it also somehow coincides with Sheon's birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, happy so. birthday, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. And my birthday also is in two weeks. Ah. So. <laughs> celebration <laughs> <laughs> so somehow um it, it's it's that kind of feeling that you somebody was telling me that joseph when i when i was watching you on channels mm-hmm. it, it, something just you know i just had this feeling that uh, we always think of building legacy um you know something that happens later maybe when you have died you know and all of that but we are literally by the little work we have done with budget we are literally living you know our le- legacy we are doing something that um is worth celebrating you know, even in a, in a lifetime. And still being in our 30s is, is something that we're very grateful to go yeah. for. Uh, we're very, very grateful to go for. And uh, I'm happy for the level of impact we've made, um, you know, so far. All right, let me just say congratulations to the both of you. It's a marvelous feat. And I'm sure that our listeners right now, their ears are all itching. It's going to be a fantastic episode. So let's just delve into it. So now we're going to start with you, Joseph, right? Now, now, now let's look at how how is budget leading the way, you know, for young people to engage with government using new technology and social engagement tools? Yes, yeah, so these, these are, I mean, when you look at what we are in now since 1999, democratic government, it is the government of the people. We always fail to understand, I mean, to, to, to put that into perspective. That is the government of the people. 
It is not about an individual in government who is holding an office. It's first of all the government of the people. And so we are happy to have, you know, somehow, I wouldn't say pioneered, but to have created some sort of, um, you know, platform for people to see that you can actually be a government yourself. You can be, you can demand, um, you know, um, civic responsibility for every single person, not just people in government, but for even people around you. When you look at our form of engagement, going to communities to engage people, it's a form of governance. You know, and, and so we are very happy that we, we have you know been able to create a platform like this. It wasn't like we all had it figured figure out, but you know we felt that the citizens should know what the government is doing with their money, which is now the other people. So government of the people, by the people, for the, for people. the people. Yes. So we are saying that see this thing that we have appointed, you are supposed to do it for the people, and so people who understand that they are government going to demand from the people whom they, they have elected. So we, we, we are basically creating what we call active citizens, or that's what we have created. And um, you know, when, if you ask me what's our next 10 years gonna look like, it's a situation where uh, we would have gone beyond 20, 40 million we have just reached in these first 10 years to over you know, 200 million Nigerians themselves becoming active citizens. So, you know, when we talk about budget, we talk about technology innovation and social impact. Now let's bring this over to you, Olusheon. What is the intersectionality? How would you marry both of them, you know, technology, innovation, and social impact? I mean, um, so, um, the society that we have has social issues. Okay. Um, I mean, and technology is meant to either ease things or to simplify things or to make, make things cheaper. Uh, technology, in the hand, is a tool. And definitely, you cannot build technology that is divorced from the contextual issues in the society. So if the issue is hunger, the issue is bad governance, if the issue is um, poor infrastructure, and definitely your technology will be wired around that. Um, so you find the much more developed societies, the more can clear sign about maybe cloud engineering, social networking and things like that, just because it speaks more to the context that they exist. Um, and I guess we have to give a lot of respect to co-creation of but that foresight to understand that at the beginning, we have fundamental issues are from the policy and the governance perspective. And they were going to build organizations or support organizations that can work around that space. You know, so definitely technology will accelerate social impact because it's going to bring information closer to the people. It's going to make it easier for people to engage their government. It's going to shorten the distance between the people and their government. It's also going to clarify things that looks easy and difficult to the people. Um, technology is also going to make sure ensure that it will foster participation, make participation cheaper. Um, I might need to write a letter to my chairman of my local government. Now I can tweet at him from the comfort of my living room. Yes. Um, so these are the kind of things that technology do. And gradually, when you're able to foster participation and entrench what you call the social contract in a democracy, which means people that work in government or people in government and citizens are bound by contract. I put you in public office. You are responsible to ensuring that public resources are held in trust and efficiently managed. And I mean, you're accountable to me. And if I, have, if I can exercise my power to recall you at every point and strip you of that legitimacy if necessary. You know, so reinforcing that social contract is what technology can make much more easier. Uh, and give us more the impact that we seek. Yeah. All right. So, um, if still on technology, right? How how can we scale the tech ecosystem? Because technology is what better budget. So, how can we scale it as a bedrock for social change 
in the country? Um, and I know Joseph will have better answers than <laughs> okay, me. So, so <laughs> well, let, let me start. Okay. I mean, to be honest, we need to be fearless um, and to boldly support um, champions. Um, I'm not to be fearful of new ideas. I mean, budget when it started in 2011 sounded like something new. I'm always very humble to say people have been discussing budget matters before budget. It's not like yeah. we were the one that Started. were the pioneer of budget analysis. If I want to talk about budget tracking, project tracking, let me like reclaim Nigeria. I've been tracking public projects since early 2000, late 90s. And I mean, I've seen Ford Foundation had funded governance programs since the mid 90s. I mean, it's been there for a while. Um, we use technology, we use creative design to make it much more easier. Yes, we've been able to push that forward. But what we need it sounded like a new idea. It sounded like a bold idea, and so we and, and people backed us, like Gates Foundation, Open Society, MacArthur, Ford Foundation, Oxfam, you know, Siwa. I mean, many people backed us. Indigo Trust, co-creation of EI Nigeria, Partners Global. A lot of people backed us. Now they give life to that idea, validation. We're able to scale, and that's one of the things we must be able, we must receive new ideas because the NSAS has told us something. It tells us something. Young Nigerians want to participate more, and new ideas will emerge so from that space. We must be bold enough to support them. And I think that's, for me, um, what we need to do. The second thing we need to do is also um, being able to um, ease the environment to make them thrive. Um, being able to help them out, navigate the policy space. I mean, Nigeria can kill great ideas if we don't have a bit of support and covering for it. I will leave the rest for Joseph, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, the another side, so I'll say number three <laughs> to that point is the the place of capacity development. Um, so there's a lot of work we can do. One of the things that helped us was the fact that we are CC Hub, and there were a lot of people with diverse skills, technology skills at that time, um, who also volunteered that time. Okay. And, and so thinking about scaling um, the work of civil civil society using technology, what uh, well, one thing we can do is to scale. Um, you know, capacity development. We need to get more people um, to be able to build technology. They, we are still at, um, even though there's a lot of progress that's been made in Nigeria, for example, we are still at its early stages um, for, because you look at things like open source platforms, technologies, it's just very few that has come out of Nigeria. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and so, and that is an aspect of civic tech um, because when you look at Ushahidi, um, you know, these were like great guys at the beginning. What's the name of Oreo Kolo? Yeah, they, you know, that was our major entry point into this space. Uh, Oreo Kolo in Kenya, which is also one of the person who has given us a lot of support at budget. Um, so we need people to start developing tools. Sheung talked about um, the other day on channels. He talked about um, people reporting roads, bad roads, you know, fixes via app and all that. Those are tools that people can build as open source technology. And the only way you have that is you have a lot of people who have skills. Beyond just trying to build website to make money, you're now beginning to see that the tool that is in my hand can also fix governance, can fix issues, social issues and all that. So if we support more capacity development, um, you know, getting more people to be handy, let them be very, very skilled professionally, um, we would have actually started laying the foundation for scaling our work using technology. Alright, thank you. Thank you very much. Now let's move over to social media. Mm. You know, social media has played a major role. <laughs> Absolutely. I can say that to the success of budget. Mm. So so how crucial now this is for you. How how crucial was the emergence and growth of social media in Nigeria, especially Twitter, to the success of budget story? Yeah, I mean thanks so much, Nancy. And I'm always clear about the fact that I mean 
not myself, but studies say that no new ideas, that every idea is a combination of an old idea or a combination of several old ideas. So, I mean, look at budget. You see that if we were not in a democracy, it wouldn't have happened. Um, if we didn't have social media, it wouldn't have scaled. Yeah. If the budget was not available um, because it's backed by legislation, it wouldn't have happened. Um, so there is several, and if there were no people there, if the space was not opened up for institutional funders and donors, it might possibly not have happened. So no matter how much ideas that we have, that we are we're combining old ideas together, and we still need an environment for it to fertilize. And the clean degree of that work is social media. Um, in the very early stage, it was difficult to navigate. I was not a social media person like that. Um, but Twitter was in its infancy and it was getting taking roots in Nigeria. And it became that melting point of intellectual debates and conversations. Yeah. And we, we, we came in. And I mean, in the initial stage when we came in, what we did was to do a lot of fact checking in the early stage. So we wanted to do GDP of Nigeria, so go ask for it. We thought we had a ton of data. <laughs> but to be honest with you, Google was my friend. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was always quickly using it and finding and giving people answers and things like that. And we tried our best. So it quietly became like the de facto space for fact checking and giving people clear answers. Then gradually, we had this fourth thing of Occupy Nigeria app mm-hmm. that gave us budget cut up and gave us that skill because we moved. You know, even we breeze past CC of social media numbers and we became like, wow, budget wow. is now huge. And then gradually we built narrative. One thing I know about social media is it's been a force for change. Um, we've gotten fortune of social media by engaging government. I mean, for, I don't mean money, by engaging government, getting results, openness, old government account. We've gotten the presidency to respond, we've gotten state governments to respond. We've shown people a clear out of how you can show your anger at the government and now you can do that on the basis of facts and not just emotion. A lot of people ask, oh, budget, we be surprised that you have not been harassed over the years. Mm. And I tell them, it's because we just stay with the facts. We don't manufacture facts. We don't manufacture narratives. We stay with the facts. We might be a bit emotional about our narrative. Yes, yeah. because we are people. We're not robots. But the reality is that we stay on the fact that is provided by government. And we interrogate that, that is this accurate? Is this comprehensive? Is this actionable? Is this timely? We still have to fact check and query those institutions in those conversations. So for me, that's the way I've seen social media. I mean, we can't run away from the fact that it's been abused. Um, and fake news, character assassination, yeah, trolling, um, you know. And we've seen that even but we've faced that over the years. You know, people, you know, set all sorts, you know. I mean, even left all the lines and crossed every single line. So just because we are critical voice against the government. But we are undeterred. Something someone told me, I remember something that happened to me um, when I was in Columbia University. I think we had a big issue, one of the biggest issues we had. I think um, maybe there was a misinterpretation of our data and extractive documents. Okay, yes, yes. And the special advisor to the, to the president, to Lugulisi, mm. was going on and on attacking us, trying to create an invitation for trolls to continuously attack budgets. You know, and, and it was really a hot mess. And I think we did something wrong. We wrote a press statement, we you know, we, we blasted him and we did all that stuff. And I was even worried about how people now went hard against us. I mean people said, I mean our Twitter handle was filled with bile and anger and from different points. Someone called me and I was someone looked at me and, had a, uh, and she said something like, Sean, why are you worried about budgets? I mean budget is an institution. It's not going to because of a social media troll. 
it's not going to die because of that. It's not going away because of that. Yeah. Like, say, picture the way you picture first bank that you worked. That's the same way you picture budget. It is not going to be um, a continuous trolling or some people saying fallacious or wrong things about budget. Therefore, take the organization. You have built an institution. And I think that when all these social media anger things happen and I mean, we make errors too. I won't say we have been squeaky clean about things, but I mean, when those things happen and people don't take comfort that the fact that we could be wrong or they try to harass us, yeah. I think on the fact that our social media is an outlet for us to have a conversation. There's several places where we also do these things. And so, I, I, but I take all the good. And I know a lot of people are trying to move forward. I mean, we are in this difficult time where Twitter has been banned, technically. Yeah. Um, and and struggling even to be to have conversation with that environment, and it's become a critical voice against government. And I mean, the government fears that, um, but we have to be unrelenting. Yeah, I think I've taken more time than necessary. Right. Uh, thank you, thank you so much. Great institution you have here, a budget. So now let's talk about. I want to say the main main. You know, without it, I, I don't think. I don't think. Now let's talk about funds, the money, the bank. The cocoa, because we have many young people that you know have great ideas, right? But then funds just have a way to do with sustainability, taking it further. You know the idea is great, but without the funds, I don't really know how that will work. So, so now how how can young people build sustainable initiative and social enterprises? Talking about funds and sustainability. So, so interestingly. Um Funding and sustainability, you, you don't mix them that way. Okay. Uh, even when people think that it is funding, it, it is always about being able to build a model. So currently, I coach a city, um, the city of Freetown, on Mayor's Challenge by Bloomberg Philanthropy. And um, one of the things we're doing is we're creating a solution on sustainability beyond just trying to look for people that will give us grants. Yeah. It is people are planting trees. This, this the problem we're trying to solve is about using trees, planting trees. Mm. And guess what? We're able to crack a way to generate money beyond just donors giving them money to pay the people who are planting the trees. Wow. You know, through innovative thinking. There are a lot of um, you know formulas, a lot of ways you can actually build and design sustainability around your business. And for budgets, it, it is not, people think that it's just because we get grants, that that's why we've been able to sustain ourselves. Mm. But not exactly true. One of the things that has happened here is that we've been able to come and cover our own design, or what I call our own business model. Because there are times where you get, donuts gives us money. And it's just for programs. It gives us money for six months. They don't really care whether you're paying staff salary uh, beyond that time, yeah. or, or whether you're paying rent and all that. Um, so you have to internally be able to figure out, based on your operation, how do you create sustainability? Okay. There are theoretical principles, you know, um, I, I'm a designer, you know, I teach design thinking. And you would teach how do you even take a problem and how do you solve a problem in a very sustainable way. And so, over the years, we have been able to do that. Transitioning from one donor to another donor or being able to even get a donor who gives you money and they have it well clearly stated that they don't fund you more than once. How have we been able to get them to fund us more than, more than once, once over and over again? You know, so those are the things that I think people should try to learn. So I'll give you a few ideas. One of the things that we did when we started is the fact that when we raise money, donors want to know how you spend their money. You know, you, you need as much as possible to report every single details. And there are ways you do those things. Um, most of them sometimes 
give you those um, what's it called templates how they want you to report it it's not time for you to go and buy a house or buy a car or do something this is donor money that is targeted at solving problems so you have to as much as possible as a young person who is looking to raise money um, you know ensure that you are very transparent mm. you have to be accountable about the money they are giving you yeah. um, another thing you need to learn is designing a structure having passion internal personal passion about the problem they're trying to solve if you are not passionate about it maybe you just see that you don't know it's funding hiv aids and because of that you suddenly created a a, a, a not-for-profit for hiv aids what happens when that donor is not funding again hmm. or what happens when there's no even conversation about hiv, HIV aids yeah. anymore you know are you are you just doing hiv aids or you are concerned about the health of the people so those, those are the parameters, those are the things that we bring together to design and create a sustainable, um, you know, not-for-profit beyond the funding. And then, um, lastly about trying to raise funding, yes, I know that is what everybody's expecting to hear. Um, most donors, they, are, they focus, people always wonder why is it that uh, they've applied for 100 funding and none of this is coming through. Why some people just apply for the first one and they're and able to raise the money, yeah. yes. And one of the things we've learned over the years is that donors, always states the type of um, you know thematic area or the, the the vertical they are focusing on you know they are funding on you know and and you have to find the right donor for the kind of problem you're solving that is one but what happens in a situation where you can't really find a donor that matches that idea I know she might be able to speak to that very well <laughs> <laughs> but you know let me just give you a simple tip one of the tips is that um, let's say you're looking to, you're doing capacity development, okay. but the donor's funding is towards health. So how about you are, you are able to design, you design your program around capacity development in health okay. so that it can appeal to them. So they are, they, those are the strategies that you put in place. It's not just straight jacket. You say, oh, this is what I want to do. I mean, I've met a lot of people. They are so rigid about the idea. You know, but the mistake we always make is that the problem is not about us. We are not solving the problem for ourselves. We are solving the problem for the people. Mm. You know, it must be human-centered. Um, you know, and if you if you put the people forward, it's always, it always becomes a lot easier for you to design the program program to attract the right donor and the right funding for it. Alright, thank you. So, um, Sheung, is civic tech and engagement enough? That's that's the question. There's a question mark there. You're answering it direct to me civic now. Civic tech and engagement mm. enough? And I, and, and I want to, sorry, if I go back to funding just, just a little bit. <laughs> because, I mean, um, a lot of people get worried about that. And I think we also got worried in the very early stage. Okay. What I just tell people is invest in relationships. Um, invest in relationships. Um, a lot of us were chasing money, we're not chasing relationships. And I mean, you want to raise money, you just knock the door of the donor, you think, you're just working, just give you give the money. money. <laughs> um, no, it doesn't work that way. You show value over a period of time, you allow it to compound, mm. then you now build a relationship that naturally leads to a funding opportunity. Um, that's something that's guided. That's why I, most of the donors, either Ford has funded us three times, Kate has wow. funded us twice, Siwa has funded us seven times. Same. Makata has funded us three times. Um, Illuminate has funded us three times. So you could see that we've deliberately, and not just because we delivered value, we also built relationships with these organizations and make sure that we tell us the stories of impact that we've gotten over the years. 
um, tell the stories in investigation. And by, we can have a whole master class of funding. <laughs> we don't go, because it looks like people feel like I'm an expert on it. I think I'm close. Um, but most importantly, you talked about it's not enough. Civic engagement is not enough. That's, that, that's not even the question. There's a follow up to that. After asking, after asking a civic tech and engagement, you know, the, the follow up is at what point would budget cross, you know, into active political platforms? Uh-huh. It will not happen. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. It will not happen for. I mean, Shemoni Mide can cross into active political platform, mm. which I wish, because the work of budgets, the work of civic organisations, and I had this scare. You know, I went to join government. People were worried. I mean, are we yeah. are we crossing over? Is that the final emasculation of budget? Mm. But reality is that we need gatekeepers in a democratic space, and and people who must be who must have the the, the credibility. And intentional to speak the fact as it should be, um, and they are what we call the guardrails of a democracy: press, civil society, um, professional institutions, um, pressure groups. They must exist in the democracy. And when you have an erosion of the space that they were, um, I mean, this is, is Amara Wakwa that made this conversation that in the democracy there's a space, there's a part of the space that is held by the government, there's a space that is held by the citizens. The space held by the citizens is protected by the media and the civil society. Now, government does not have a right to encroach into that space. And if that happens, then definitely it's no longer a democracy. We must protect that space. And that's the way the work that budget does speak to. We might help in terms of public policy practice or advisory might happen in the future. Or maybe the way we're doing right now is that we're doing a dual structure. We hold government accountable, but at the back end, in some way, we also provide capacity support. Yeah. So maybe NAET, NIPC, Kaduna State Government, Enungo State Government, and Kogi State Government, we've supported a lot of states, you know, building the capacity. It doesn't mean that when we see things going bad, we don't talk no, about yes. it. But also, you look at how you keep that balance going forward. But one thing we're thinking clearly is maybe it's special public policy practice dedicated to supporting government. Okay. And give you know they have that trust within the system for that improvement. Maybe it's part of our um, strategy plan for the next 10 years. But one thing I'm certain is that civic engagement should lead. The bedrock is transparency. You should be transparent because that's the church should be given a democracy. You should engage on the basis of transparent information you have. You should have an accountability as a, as a response to that. People are giving feedback. Then there should be a close back, a close feedback to that I'm talking, you are listening. And so as you're talking, I'm also listening. We are having that constant conversation. And that's how democracy should exist. And we also protect that space is what budgets will uh, permanently do. Thank you very much. Speaking about um, civil society organization, right? So, so what is it? like the CSOs right now, what is the CSO ecosystem missing? You know, what are they missing regarding connecting and mobilizing people for social change? Joseph? Mm. <laughs> that, that question is, is very loaded. <laughs> Can you speak to that? I mean, it, it's loaded, but I feel, and you also speak to it, but I feel we're, we're missing many things. One, we're missing the, we're missing the rapid adoption of technology. Mm-hmm to reach out to a, a new sophisticated audience. So whatever happened in the Gen Z, the same way it took the government on our West, on our West, it's the same way it took the traditional civil society on our West. You know, we we're not 
we, there's a new space that is bubbling and we're not talking to them in their own language. Um, and there is a need for the civil society to have a lot of reflection about how he wants to approach that space. I feel, and that means we do technology, we do narrative building. Um, I mean, if you listen to some of these um, the, the conversations during that protest, the Buari has been a bad boy. Oh. I mean, and, and people said he, he, he didn't say that of disrespect. Mm. It was no casual conversation. We've not been able to know how to apply arts, music, um, this kit environment, this casual conversation structure. We still look a bit too technical and we have not been able to pass our message across to that new sophisticated conversation. And, and I think that's something we, I think we're also missing. Uh, proximity um, because it's civil wow. society and and donor funding and there's a there's a technique that we are just you know strapped in our you know high flying environment you know Maitama, Sokoro, um, Yaba, yeah. Koi uh, but that's not the real Nigeria. There's a need of what's the, there's a need for us to be more proximate to the real state of and the real state of Nigeria is still grassroots, poorly educated, um, poorly invested in. Um, semi-urban groups. We need to be more proximate to these groups. That's why we did Tracker. We could have stood with infographics design, social media space, and that was enough to even talk about. But we need that uh, dealing with that space. We are still not talking to the, the largest constituency of Nigeria. So in a way, I think the civil society also needs a bit of reflection on proximity. Then we need new champions. Yeah. Yeah. We cannot cannot lie to us. We're ten years now. So in another five years, we are ourselves have to find a way to not the organization leaves, but I mean take leave the, back, the space, yeah, take the back seat yes. to new leaders that can speak, that can be the voice of the new generation. Mm. You know, and I think that's something we are missing. After budget, how many civic tech organizations have grown to the stature of budget? And I'm, I, I struggle to find. Maybe budget could. After code, I always still struggle to find someone that's grown to that stage. And I think that's and I'm happy that there's a new five million dollar fund that MacArthur Foundation and Leap. and Ford Foundation is coming together for Leap Africa to invest in new civic tech initiatives led by the next generation. I'm open to see that we have new budgets because the work that we do in budgets, the issues we speak to are systemic. The budget alone cannot resolve it. Yeah. So we need more voices in the room that are speaking at the same time in trust. Um, I think that I, I will leave it at that. I don't yeah. want to get into trouble. I'll add, I'll, add a little bit, I'll add a little bit to that. Um, the fact that um, we were running um, not-for-profit or, I mean, let's let's call it CSO, mm. uh, doesn't mean that we, we just dance to the tune of whoever it is that is giving us money. What happens most of the time is that because of the funding comes in programs, after the program, so you've got 20 people working with you. After the program, you just you discard them. Mm -hmm. And then the next program, maybe two years later, you are looking for people. Um, you know, so often you don't have capacity. You now start looking for how do you train capacity, who, who, who will work with you and all of that. So I think we need to change the attitude into that of creating an organization. We should, uh, when you work as a not-for-profit, you, you shouldn't just see it as, oh, it's, it's the fun thing, like a garbage in, garbage out sort of thing. But building something that there are people who also work in the civil society. They are human beings. They want. They also want salaries. They have. You know. They want pension. They want. You know. Build an organization out of whatever it is you're trying to solve, and start thinking of scale. Don't tie your life to whether you get money or not. I can, can categorically tell you that at the point where budget has gotten to, 
um, you know, we are evolving every day. We're not thinking that, we're not just thinking about money that we're going to get. We've been running Civic Hive at least for the last four years now. And um, we've basically been funding this internally. Just maybe one or two times we've gotten some support. And we're not just thinking about just running the organization. We are thinking of supporting other people. Gavo, Citizen Gavo came out of it. Yeah. Um, that is one great potential. And they're not the only one. There's Constitution Lab. Constitution Lab just raised got some money, um, you know, to do PVC drive. Um, you know, towards the 2023 election, election. Yeah. and a couple of them, some of them struggle, you know, after they left the whole program, and that is why we have redesigned our Civic High program. So, with the next expectation, I can assure you that almost everybody that's going to come out of our next program um, will expect, you know, massive success because we're not just going to be teaching them how to, um, you know, to design a new um, civic tech startup, we're also going to be teaching them what I call the budget secret sauce. How do you go from you know, no. zero to hundred. <laughs> From zero to hundred, yes, you yes. know. So, 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 I think those are the things. When you have like Big Brother holding your hand through the journey, yeah. uh, you tend to do well. Um, you know, you always need someone to introduce you to someone in their network, and and that is it. She won't talk about the relationship. I tell you, I think that is one of the biggest things that we have at Budget. Yeah. And yeah, yes, yeah, you're right. And I, and I think also, sorry to cut in again that. New engine, new CSOs have become general purpose vehicles, and I'm, and I'm sorry, we, we want to do everything. Um, and, and, and it's and, and I really want us, I really want a reflection on the space where we focus. I mean, I'm not saying that budget does not do a lot, I mean, but you see, us we still focus on the fiscal space, yeah, transparency and accountability. We're not trying to do HIV, we're not trying to do gender based <laughs> violence, we're not trying to, we're not trying to. You know, take all the SDGs. Take all, we're not trying to educate young women on, it, on the technology. We're focused on the space where we are. And I think the problem I have with civil society is also that everybody you know, takes a nomenclature that is general and, is, and anything that any donor offers, we are there. And at the end of the day, you're in a community like Tracker. You started, and that's why, you know, where we've run Tracker Mona, which all thanks to Luminate has given us that back fund, that sustainable fund over time. You're in a community in six months. You say it's a six months program, and in six months the project is not concluded. The project is not delivered. So do you abandon the communities because you say, oh, the funding has ended? Mm. We also, as a civil society, we have to be taken in a systemic manner. I mean, there's a whole lot to go around, but I feel being more single issue. We can have multi-purpose vehicles as coalition, but civil society, we have to start dedicating our programming to, into single issue, issue, single thematic areas. Not just being not everywhere. It's, it's, it's confusing the people and it's not even making our, our impact to be sustained over time. Right. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. I know both of you are busy men. <laughs> busy, busy, busy men. So I'm just going to let you go shortly. So after transparency, right? What's next? Because at some point, the drive is transparency and accountability and one day the battle will be won. So where do you see yourself after that battle has been won? <laughs> I, I think I think it's a luta continua. Is <laughs> I think that, that for me is where I say it, it, it never gets to that point. Okay. You know, um, you are talking of perfection. Perfection is when we actually leave this earth. Um, there are always social issues to be solved, and um, you know, we, the ultimate goal is not just accountability and trans, transparency and accountability. It is actually creating an active citizen. Nigerians who are able to demand, um, you know, for, um, you know, that the government, people they have elected, you know, do the right thing. That is one part. There's also the part where even citizens themselves are able to take responsibilities. 
you know, why should you eat stuff on the road and dump and it, dump it yes. on the road? Why can't you take civic responsibility? <laughs> so if you are thinking about how government spend their money, and you are not thinking that it's because you are careless, government is spending more money on paying people to clean the road. You're not taking such responsibility. So, so you see the whole dynamic around uh, what it is uh, for what we're doing. So it's about building active citizens. It's about building people who by themselves become responsible. Responsible. I mean, look at over the last 10 years, we've only reached about, um, I know the number varies, but my own number is 40, 40 <laughs> million or more, you know, about a quarter uh, of, of, of the citizens or about 20%, yeah. you know. Um, I, I believe that there's still a lot of work to be done where people become so aware, where budget does no longer need to tell people that this is what you should be asking the government. They themselves know that, see, when you are a public office holder, you should be accountable, they can demand that from you. But I, I believe that there's a whole lot more. You know, your question is when Nigeria is rigid of corruption and everything is, uh, what we'll be doing? I think she will answer that hard question. <laughs> I mean, I mean, transparency. What next? Um, two things. I saw one thing about even our own stride. We're saying we've done work in the last ten years as quality of life improved in Nigeria, standard of living improved. So even ourselves, we're asking ourselves after transparency. We need to look beyond that. We need to look at quality of life of Nigeria. We need to start being invested in around that too. Uh, we need to connect our work into how we're changing lives and how we're improving lives. Um, so that's one one next. The second thing is um, uh, the work never stops. But I, my wish is that one day we stop existing. I mean, as budget, and I'm I'm being honest about this, which means we feel we fulfill all our conditions of existing. Nigerians on their self-enlightened interest hold government accountable. The government is responsible, to, responsive to them, and resources meant for the public are efficiently managed for the good of the people. That means if government has ten naira to spend, it thinks first about the, how does this benefit the good of the people. You know, that's the first thing that comes to mind. And we have people being able to hold them accountable. And the society is much more prosperous and it's much more progressive. I mean, at that point, you feel, and but that looks utopia. That looks like a fairy dream. But I mean, at that point, I mean, what action are you pushing against? You should rest. Because I have NGOs in the US, I know, the Sunlight Foundation. Said we have, I mean, we have, we have not fulfilled our mission, but we think at this point, we should rest. And they closed the shop. So, I mean, there's no perpetuity in, in, civic, in civic, uh, civic issues. We hope that one day comes to we, we resolve the conundrum of Nigeria, but we know that that's a long journey, and we are we are hopefully approach. I wrote an article at this on this day back page, and I guess everyone should read it um, about uh, milestone lessons. Okay. I said my first point is that we have been able to mix patience with courage, mm. you know, being able to understand that the work will take time to really really fruit, and we also been able to approach it work boldly and with courage. Thank you very much, Nas. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sheung. Thank you, Joseph. I mean, this is a good place to draw the curtain if we're in drama. It's, it's been a pleasure, actually, hosting both of you. Congratulations once again. And to our listeners, don't forget to share, like, and keep your comments coming. On Facebook, it's Budget NG. On Twitter, it's Budget NG. And on Instagram, it's also Budget NG. My name is Nancy. Until next time, you have a fabulous day.